Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We're the Mentors, your uh, bi-weekly look at the world of Jews and sports. Gabe, how are you doing? We're good. The, the uh, Very good. Very exciting world of Jewish sports. The, the world met. We finished the meeting of the world. The sports meeting of the world. The the quadrennial, the Olympiad. Um, the Olympiad. I should, Another I should Olympiad say, complete. Plus and, one. And, and just like the Olympics not actually occurring every fourth year, as this one occurred five years after the previous one, we, we've been much more than bi-weekly recently. Um, we've had a few you know bonus it's, episodes. It's, it's a leap Olympiad. It's like, a leap Olympiad, it's like, yeah. It's like a DAR 2, but right. it's Olympiad it's like, 1. I like them mixing it up because it, it made it it made it interesting when it, people were breaking records that have been set like 25 years ago. Um, actually, only for 25 years, only for something that had happened at the uh, at the 86 86? games. No, that doesn't make sense, does it? Um, were there no. an 86, 86 games? No, there are 84 games. But no, sometimes it, what, some, sometimes you know what's wrong with us? Five. 25 what? years ago is is 95, 96. 96. Yes, that's, that's right. how we just years. screwed that okay. up. So there you go. So when things hadn't happened since the Atlanta Olympics, it was like 25 years ago. And it's like, it's a nice round number as opposed to, yeah. you know, six Olympiads ago, um, you know, this, this record was broken anyways, but um, I, I mean, think we're, all we're all, closer uh, to September 11th than uh, September 11th was to uh, 1981. Spooky. Yeah, um, spooky. I think all in all a successful Olympics Do you feel like things, things more or less happened. Okay. I mean, are any Olympics successful? I think Japan is pretty boned. I mean, I think successful in the sense that like all the events happened and like the athletes came and participated and went home and, and presumably like, had fun. Yeah, there weren't. Look, I think the big fears this time were related to COVID, understandably. And I don't think there were any like big COVID outbreaks, big COVID stories at the Olympics. Um, right. So right. I guess successful in that way. Negative, you know, unsuccessful in all the ways that the Olympics tend to be unsuccessful or or detrimental to, yeah. to their host the countries at times. Economic and social burden and so on and so forth. There, there was an interesting article in uh, in Slate. I should I should uh, say who the writer was, um, but about how Paris is Paris is hosting the 2024 Olympics um, and that it's the beginning of like the poverty Olympics or not the poverty Olympics, just like the cheap Olympics. Um, uh. Because. Are it's, they planning on on sort of lowballing it? Yeah, like they're using a lot of old stadiums um, that have that have already been built for something else. Um, they're they're doing a lot of things in different parts of Paris or like um, different parts of France altogether. Like I think they're doing sailing down to Marseille. Um, I know they're doing surfing in Tahiti, which is super cool. That's extremely cool. And Again, um, then it's a, a back to a colonial Olympics. Yeah, the article is, sorry, Henry Grabar at uh, Slate.com. And it was just about, and, and I think it's going to be the model for LA as well, where they're, you know, LA, it's like they're doing like renovations to the Coliseum, but they're not tearing down the Coliseum and building a new one. Right. You know, they're not. Which, you know, has been, it'll be the third Olympics at the Coliseum. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, that's pretty right. Cool. Um, pretty cool. So, um, you know, we'll continue to stay on top of the Olympics. Continues to be a big story. Um, obviously, there's the Beijing Winter Olympics coming up in like six months. So that will be a focus. Um, I'm sure we'll yeah, highlight all the Jewish athletes at the Winter Olympics. We're already working on the editorial calendar for the Beijing Olympics. Um, if, as always, if, if people are aware of, uh, you know, Winter Olympians who are Jewish, who they want us to know about, want us to highlight, send them our way. I'm sure we'll be doing the same sort of um, deep Googling on people with uh, somewhat Ashkenazi sounding names in advance of the Olympics yes. to sort of figure out uh, who might I be can Jewish. Already I can already think of the gold uh, siblings 
I think their names are T- Taylor and Alex, who are well, Ariel snowboarding Gold. siblings. Ariel, Ariel Gold. Gold. Yeah, she won the bronze. She won the bronze last year, I think, in the halfpipe. She's Jewish. Yeah, she's Jewish, um, exactly. But I'm not sure if there are many other recent Winter Olympians. Obviously, there's been a lot historically, and, and often um, lots of figure skaters. And uh, that's something yeah, we'll focus on. I'm sure absolutely. there's... Absolutely, figure skaters and, and uh, some speed skaters as well. Yeah. Um, Presumably, there know, will be a, a few Israeli Olympians as well. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, but uh, just to sort of tie a bow on our Olympics coverage, I think there's uh, since we last spoke uh, last week, there's been a few more Jewish Olympians. Uh, I, the, the, all, all of them won gold. I think the first one, I, I can't remember the chronology, but uh, Lenoy Ashram was the was the first uh, or, or won mm-hmm. gold in rhythmic gymnastics. Um, she's an Israeli gymnast, and apparently, I didn't watch any of it. I don't know the first thing about rhythmic <laughs> gymnastics. Apparently, it was somewhat controversial, and the Russian competitor was like pissed. And thought that what, she should have won. What would the controversy be? That just the judging was a little off. I think that's basically it. So apparently, Ashram. If you're if you're telling me that there is a Olympic judging controversy, <laughs> I refuse to believe it. I, apparently, Ashram dropped one of her apparatuses. I think dropped the ball or ribbon that she was using, and that's like yeah. understandably a foul. And it was does, the if, sort of thing where like, she have they to couldn't kiss believe it when she, she picks it back won. up, like it's a sidur. I don't think so. Um, but that was apparently the con- the controversy. But I think, yeah, there wasn't really much. It was very hard as a as a lay person, like someone who's not understanding the gymnastics world very much, to understand yes. exactly what the controversy was. And it seemed to boil down to the Russian gymnast like thought she should have scored higher, and that and that right. was it. And and unfortunately, has she taken to blaming the Jews? I don't think it went that far. Like it wasn't, it wasn't even like they're judging me unfairly because I'm Russian or they're judging the other competitor in a different way because she's Jewish or Israeli or anything. Like there was yep. no allegation of conspiracy. It was just like, no, you guys got the scores wrong. I should have won based on merit. And I mean, interesting. there is an argument, and I think people have made this argument before that like subjective, subjectively scored Olympic sports are kind of... <laughs> I don't know. Nonsense. They always like, have like, some sort of controversy. I remember a few years ago, uh, there was a Russian uh, figure skater named Yevgeny Plushenko, who many okay. people actually believed was Jewish and he's not. And mm-hmm. I think it was at the Vancouver Olympics. He came in fourth um, and he decided that he had won a special medal that nobody else had heard of and gave himself the platinum medal ceremony when he nice. returned home to Russia. I respect it. I respect the, uh, you know, I, I'm going to start my own skating competition. I, I, I am actually a gold medalist here. Because you guys are wrong. And, but I mean, exactly. it is the reality like, of the situation. I, I scored like, it differently. And therefore, I won. Yeah. Like, you know, Ashram won by, a, you know, a fraction of a point. I can only assume that that is within the margin of error. You know, maybe maybe, maybe the, the thing that we should do in the future is just like, let there be multiple golds when there's a, a margin that's so small. But it is just sort of tricky when it's like, well, I just don't think I deserve this. I This is sort of, unre- this is a different sort of uh, circumstance. But did you see that story about the guy who won a karate gold medal? Because his opponent kicked him in the face and knocked him out. And apparently knocking someone out in karate is like an automatic disqualification. And they they decided to award him the gold medal because he got knocked out. It's like... I only saw the karate that wasn't the actual fighting. Only the karate that's like, can you do the poses and haya in the right way? I know that's a... Uh, Kata, I know that's a horrible way of describing the the ancient martial art. However, right. I didn't understand it much beyond that. Although I did like all of the ceremony around it. Like all of the athletes walk out together in their geese. Then they all right. go one, one by one and they sort of sit in a circle and watch each other. It's very cool. Yeah, I guess between like working full time and ca- taking care of a, a, a child and coupled with the fact that the Olympics were, you know, 11 hours away in terms of time zone, limited my ability to like really like sit down to like six hours of karate, you know, like- yeah. 
Yes. That was the kind of dirtbag thing I could do like 12 years ago. <laughs> like as a, especially like as a student, like who didn't have anything going on and just like, I'm going to sit down and watch the entire, like, I, I'm just going to watch Winter Olympics for 15 hours today. Who's going to stop oh, yeah. me? My teachers? It's, it's, no. No, of course not. Yeah. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, some, they, they put some cool sports on primetime here. There was skateboarding uh, that aired primetime in North America. And I watched a lot of skateboarding. Unfortunately, don't think we found a lot of almost Jews, mm. um, not Jews. My personal favorite, a, a uh, skateboarder named Charlotte Heim, spelled H-Y-M. Um, who was not Jewish, unfortunately, even though she definitely looks at and had a PhD. So yeah, a also, a, also Bryce Wetstein, an American skater was uh, <laughs> like, that was a deep dive. But uh, as far as I can tell, not Jewish. Bryce um, Wetstein is a name you couldn't make up. Yeah. So anyways, uh, congratulations to Linoy Ashram. Um, she's only 22 years old. I, I can only assume that she might be back for another rhythmic gymnast. Um, she sort of, she, she was the first non, non-Soviet, non-Russian uh, Olympian in, in decades. So that's fantastic. Uh, the next person to highlight, Alex Kleinman, uh, someone we spoke about in our last bonus episode podcast, um, the beach volleyball player who's part of a gold medal winning American team that just dominated. They won the finals 2 nothing over the Australian team. Um, Alex yep. is six Alex- foot five, very notable for, for maybe the anyone. tallest Jewish person. Yeah, maybe the tallest Jewish woman, uh, as far as we know, um, but just sort of dominated from from start to finish. And uh, I, you know, I, I watched a little bit of, of beach volleyball. Um, it, it, it I, I find it they a lost bit, one uh, set, one set the whole tournament. Oh, they did lose one spectacular. Set. Anyways, yeah, congratulations to her. Really, really great win. Uh, just sort of dominant. And I feel like American beach volleyball has just, especially for the women, has just been dominant. Yeah, it's, I, I think they've right? always won, to be honest her, her, with you. Her I, partner, I, April Ross, you know, I think had won, had won a gold medal at least once before, if not if not two. It's So I'll, I'll give you this as the stat, that of the uh, one, two, three, four, five last Olympic uh, beach volleyballs of the women's side of the bracket, uh, the U.S. has won four of the last five. Right. And sorry, so her partner, April Ross, won a bronze in Rio and a, and a silver in London. So, you know, a lot of power yeah. there. Uh, I think Kleiman is, is the is the tall spiker. Um, it, Ross is yeah. sort of the, the, the set woman. But uh, yeah, very dominant team in this Olympics. And the last one uh, we should mention, another woman on team is, of course, the great Sue Bird, who is on the, the great US, Sue Bird. U.S. women's basketball team that captured gold. Uh, I think it was it was on Saturday night that the game was was played i didn't i didn't watch all of it but uh yeah, yeah it was it I was mean, a dominant run throughout the don, dominant tournament Superbird's fifth gold medal to go with the three wnba championships really there's nobody who's been anywhere close to her in terms of of i think any sort of global basketball success um winning well, so think, many d- domestic and international championships well diane Trassi, diane Trassi yeah. also was on the u.s team won her fifth as well so i didn't realize that she had been on the team back in uh Back, back all the way when the, when Subert won her first gold in Athens. Um, I mean, Sue's so now I'm, forty years old. I agree. It's probably her last Olympics. I think. Yep, I'm not sure. Diana Trazza, the White Mamba. I'm not sure if she has won as many domestic. She she's has three rings, and Subert, I believe, has four now. Okay. For domestic, for you know, uh, WNBA championships, but it's the two of them have had a serious you know rivalry for the last twenty years almost. Well, they're both, you know, two of the best uh, female players of all time. Um, and certainly, both, certainly in the WNBA era. Both of them were in uh, uh, Space Jam: A New Legacy, so wow. that goes to show how how important they are. Did you watch Space Jam: A New Legacy? I didn't. Uh, I don't mean to to uh, give anyone spoilers, but apparently Michael B. Jordan is in it. That's very funny. Yeah, it's good. We it's couldn't good get bit. Michael regular Jordan, so we got Michael B. Jordan. Oh no, it's it's terrific. So anyway, better actor, slightly worse basketball player. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. 
But uh, congratulations, uh, big congratulations to uh, Sue Bird and Alex Kleiman and Lenoy Ashram. Uh, yep. But maybe we should deal with more pressing matters. Uh, just for anyone who hasn't, you know, heard any of our promotions on this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, we got them. We got them. Zach Hyman is here uh, with us uh, live on tape. Uh, we're, we're thrilled to bring you our interview with Mr. Zach Hyman. For those of you who don't know, Zach Hyman is a uh, NHL player from Toronto. He is a proud and takes his uh, Jewish person and takes his Judaism very seriously. He has recently signed a seven-year, nearly $40 million deal with the Edmonton Oilers. And he will be, I guess, taking his talents to the uh, uh, Bow River Valley. Or is it the Assiniboine sure. River Valley? Whichever River Valley is in Edmonton. Uh, I'm, apologies, and you. I'm sure we'll get plenty of uh, Edmontonians, all eight Jewish Edmontonians, nine now if you include Zach Hyman, uh, writing into us. I know there's several thousand. I apologize, that was a joke. But I'm sure we'll get all of you writing into us explaining the name of the actual river that runs through Edmonton. Um, but he'll be taking his talents to the Rogers Arena in Edmonton uh, to play for the Oilers. And uh, we had a, a great conversation with Zach. Uh, he recently had a kid. There's one, one thing we didn't get to. Sure. What's that? And I'm a little upset about it, uh, which is, you know, he recently had a child. Uh, you and I both recently had a child. And I really wanted to discuss the- That makes it sound like you and I had a child together, by the way. Together. Well, we might've. We, you you know, and I them, each both had children. Let them think that uh, each had children. And I wanted to discuss the biblical undertones and the Jewish biblical undertones of the going to bed book. Perhaps one of the more popular- child books and and debate with mr hyman whether or not it does take place on noah's ark we'd love to hear your thoughts in the mm. comments and on online for that one uh, i'm i'm officially on the record saying it does uh yep. but uh you know i'm i'm happy to discuss it uh but could you have any do you have any discussion points uh before we get to our interview with mr hyman yeah, no, it was great to have him on. Um, really great guest, uh, really smart guy, thoughtful guy. Um, I think our first athlete that uh, that's been that's marriage has been announced in the Betsetic Bulletin, so that was cool. Um, Probably, you know, Probably. as far as at least as far as we know, we might have to do some more digging on that. Um, I don't know. I wonder. I'm sure Nate Thompson had his marriage so, uh, announced in in whatever Los Angeles shul he was married at. That yeah. seemed like a real shindig. Maybe that's true. Um, but not pathetic. Definitely not pathetic. Yeah. So very close to home. I think you know there aren't that many um, homegrown Jewish athletes that I can really uh, name aside from Hyman. Um, so you know, it's great to see him. It's great to see him on the Leafs, and I'm sure Jewish Jewish Toronto fans will will. Uh, understand that he's moved on i think the feeling from a lot of people is that he wanted to go somewhere that he could play and that was gonna pay him what he deserved um you know 29 years old now and i feel like seven-year deal probably takes him through most of the rest of his career um maybe not all of it but but certainly a lot of the, the rest of his his uh career at a high level so be exciting to see what he does there i i think the oilers are a team that uh you know could put something together in the next couple of years obviously obviously they have uh, one of the best players in the game and, and I, I don't know how how long is mcdavid's i assume he signed he signed for, for, for as life, long, basically. Yeah, yeah, for life, basically. So, um, you know, I, I, it sounds like Hyman might play on his wing uh, or they might be line mates at some point this year. Um, so that'd be cool. Cool to see him. I'm sure we'll see him on a lot of highlight reels and, uh, uh, you know, making great assists and, and things like that. Um, yep. Wish him all the, wish him all the best in, in Edmonton. Um, before, we, before we get to our interview with Zach, Gabe, any, uh, any other Jewish sports news that you want, you want to talk about? Anything else we want to mention? Um, there isn't a ton, I think, going on. I think we're we're looking forward to seeing the rosters being announced soon for a uh, Winter Olympics hockey to see if any of the Hughes brothers make the U.S. team. We're excited sure. to see that. 
Um, F1 has been off for a few weeks and it has been a rough season for Lance Stroll, who had another DNF this past weekend, um, okay. which is another bummer. Um, but the only other of- thing, the only other thing I oh. want to mention was that, uh, another, another dearly departed Toronto, uh, Toronto Jewish athlete, Rowdy Telez, who was traded a few months, uh, about a month and a half ago to m- the Milwaukee Brewers has really yeah, been killing it in Milwaukee. Tough. Yeah. He had a big walk-off hit tough. the other day, um, in extra innings. He's hitting 318 since he moved to Milwaukee and Milwaukee's the, the leading, I think they're leading the NL Central, if not leading, they're very close. Um, I think it's just sort of one of those situations where he needed a change of scenery. You know, he wasn't getting the regular playing time in Toronto uh, that, you know, baseball players tend to need yep. to, to really focus and, and focus Get on the game. Yeah. So it'd be it's now interesting he's, on, to see. he's on a very good team. He's on a very uh, good team. Be interesting to see how he does there. I mean, they don't have a DH, obviously, in the NL. Um, which I think hinders him a little bit. Uh, yep. I, he has to but, play first every day, but then yeah. again, he's doing great. He's hitting 300 since he got traded. Yeah, exactly. And if the bat, if the bat is good enough, then it won't really matter if his defense isn't that great, especially at first base. I think his, you know, his defense is, is not terrible necessarily. Um, but uh, good to see him get everyday playing time. I hope he continues to hit. Uh, I, I think he is quickly have become a fan favorite in Milwaukee as he was yeah. in Toronto. Um, and, you know, sad to see him not doing it for the Blue Jays anymore, but uh, glad to see him, him having success in his new, in his new club. Um, so beyond uh, that, interesting I mean, story, interesting sure. story about Radit the, we've talked about that. We haven't really talked about these. Um, uh, we haven't really talked so much about the, uh, the NBA or the MLB owners, but the owner of the Moroc- Milwaukee Brewers, uh, Mark Atanasio converted to Judaism. Wow. Um, that is an in order. Story. Yes. Uh, they, uh, you know, donated a wing to the Milwaukee Jewish Museum. Uh, I believe they might have been married there. So they're big in the Milwaukee Jewish community, even though owner Mark Atanasio was not born Jewish. That's very cool. I guess uh, not the only Milwaukee Jewish owner with uh, Mark Lazary as well. Yeah. And uh, I guess former Bud Selig, who previously owned the Milwaukee Bruce, who sold it to Mark Atanasio. Very cool. Um, that's good to know. Uh, maybe someone we'll talk about in the future as, as well. Um, you know, but- Mark, you're always welcome on the show. Any Mark, any Mark, uh, any Jewish Mark team owner, welcome, welcome to come on the show. Absolutely. Talk about their teams. Yeah. Uh, but leave, let's leave it there in terms of uh, Jewish sports news and move on to our interview with Zach Hyman. We're being joined by Zach Hyman. Zach, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? We're good. Um, big news for you recently. You recently signed with the Edmonton Oilers, uh, leaving your hometown Toronto Maple Leafs. Are you are we uh, are you in Toronto or Edmonton right now? I'm currently in Toronto, but I'll be heading out to Edmonton shortly. That's great. You get like 11 p.m. sunsets these days. It'll be very nice. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, when I visited, it was awesome. So got to go out there and uh, and find a house, and then uh, I'll move out there full time uh, probably early September. So should be exciting. Sure. Um, I saw on NHL.com, at least it says that you're going to be wearing 18 for Edmonton. Is that correct? That's correct. So what, uh, what prompted the Jersey change? I mean, obviously a number that has significance in Judaism. I, I assume it comes, comes somewhat at least from there. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, no, I oh, obviously number 11, I wore number 11 in Toronto and, and I think, uh, everybody knows who wore number 11 in Edmonton. So Mark Messier and it's, sure. uh, it's in the rafters. So uh, that wasn't uh, available. Uh, and yeah, 18 has has uh, significance, obviously, in, in our culture. But uh, my son, Theo, who's eight months, was born on December uh, 18th. So it's got some personal uh, significance to me. So my wife was all excited about it. And uh, it was just a, a number that I liked and, and kind of, you know, is for Theo. So it was uh, pretty special. That's awesome. You're actually talking to two pretty fresh dads as well. 
Oh, congrats, um, guys. Yeah, thanks. You too. James you too. is a, a 18-month-old, and I have a four-month-old. I'm right between uh, you so, guys. Yeah, exactly. Uh, are you sleeping? You're sleeping <laughs> all right? <That's... laughs> yeah. The, the four, after the four-month uh, hill, I felt like he got better. He's actually napping right now, so if he interrupts, that's, uh, that's who it is. Oh, that's totally cool. Understand. That's totally cool. Understand. So... I want to talk about your move a little bit. And you mentioned, you know, the number 18 is is important in, in Judaism. You're going from one city that's got a really big, you know, proud Jewish community that you grew up in to Edmonton, which has a Jewish community, but it's a lot smaller. Um, you know, do you feel any opportunity to be an ambassador there? Yeah, no, I think uh, I think in Toronto, I, I felt like I was a, an ambassador for the community. I think that uh, and I grew up, I went to Jewish day school. I went to chat, which is a, one of the largest Jewish high schools, um, you know, in Canada, it's a, in the city of Toronto, it's one of the most, uh, well-recognized ones. So I, I grew up, uh, fully immersed in the community and I really felt like in Toronto, um, you know, I wasn't just living out my dream. I was living out uh, the dreams of the entire community. So I really felt that kind of extended support and it was awesome. And, you know, people who I didn't know reached out to me or my parents and they'd always kind of comment on on how proud they were of me. And it was just that that's kind of the community aspect that you have when, when you grow up uh, part of uh, a smaller community, obviously the, the Jewish community is a lot smaller than some of the other communities. And then um, moving from Toronto, which is one of the larger communities to Edmonton, which is uh, obviously smaller is going to be a change, but I think it's going to be really exciting because from what I've, you know, I, I, since I've signed, I've heard from so many people who are already in that community. And even though it's smaller, uh, when you're smaller, you're, you're definitely more tight knit and, and everybody kind of knows everybody. So excited to join that community, excited to meet everybody and get to know everybody, but it's been extremely welcoming and um, it's been awesome so far. And I'm, I'm sure you, I'm sure you know this, but Daryl Katz was also a uh, day school kid. Yeah. Uh, yeah so you no, do have that in common. Yeah, Talmud Torah in uh, in Edmonton. So um, yeah, I think uh, Theo. Will, well, he's only eight months. So there's you got. <laughs> um, and you've you made that decision. Your kid's gonna go to day school. Yeah, no, I think you know for me it was it was important uh, growing up to be part to have that community aspect and to kind of learn and understand where you come from and and that your history and, and it was really important for my parents and they instilled that in me and my four younger brothers and um that community aspect i'm still friends with guys who i went to high school uh to this day they're still some of my closest friends so uh i definitely want my kids and you know theo and my future kids to have a, a jewish education and to really know where they come from that's great um you know in terms of the friends you grew up with moving on to different things obviously you were you were geared towards hockey from a young age going to michigan to play uh, before getting drafted, but was there a sense of, of, you know, having something else there for you, either if hockey didn't work out or after hockey in terms of what you're interested in or what you think uh, might be there for you after that? Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, hockey was always at the forefront. Uh, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a hockey player. Now I still want to be a hockey player. It's <laughs> always been uh, top of mind. <clears throat> Having said that, obviously, I think that a lot of kids dream of becoming a hockey player, but it's very hard to do that. So my parents really wanted me to get an education, really wanted me to um, do other things I was passionate about. So uh, I've written children's books. That's writing and is something that I'm really passionate about. Uh, so I pursued that. I went to university and I, I graduated. I spent all four years at the University of Michigan. I majored in history because I, I liked, um, you know, the, the history part of it, but also the writing part of it. Uh, and then as, you know, I became a hockey player and I, you know, learned about the business world and, and got connected with a bunch of people in Toronto, I, I started my own uh, esports and gaming company. So really right. doing things uh, outside of hockey that 
will prepare me for obviously I can try to play hockey as long as I can. But once that's done, I'll, I'll have different avenues and things that I'm passionate about uh, that I'll be able to kind of pursue further. Well, if you're ever interested in contributing to the Canadian Jewish news, I'm sure we'd love to have you. I can speak to the powers that be and try and slip you in there. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a, a tough gate. The NHL might be tougher, but I think we could get you in. <laughs> Perfect. That's great. And now you're going to be you're going to be moving away from your hometown uh, where you've lived at least for the last several years playing playing professionally. Uh, are there things about Toronto you're going to miss? Are there uh, you know restaurants or, or things within the Jewish community that you've uh, grown accustomed to having having available that you're going to miss out in Edmonton? I think just you know being away like when you're in Toronto, you're you know for me, my whole family's here, my wife's whole family's here, so having that kind of instant access to your family and not being able to drive down the street and see your parents or things like that are, are, are things that I'll miss, but. I mean, I, I, I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll live in Toronto in the summer. So it's not like I'm sure. going away for um, seven years and not coming back. Like I'll be back and forth. Obviously during the hockey season, it's going to be all hockey. I'll be in Edmonton um, and, and hopefully I'll be in Edmonton until late June and then come back for Toronto for a couple of months. But uh, yeah, it's, it, it's no different than when I went to school. So I, I'm really excited about, about Edmonton. I'm excited about growing a family there. Um, well, you know, when my wife and I went out yep. there, uh, we really got to see all the neighborhoods and we're going to go out and look for a house, like I mentioned. So it's going to be a, a really great opportunity for us. I like how you said late June, you'll be back in Toronto after the parade, each one of the seven <laughs> years. I got a hyper local Toronto question for you. And this is sort of, this will center mm. this conversation on neighborhoods for our non-Toronto listeners. Uh, but can you tell me the story of how your Jersey wound up in the burger shack? <laughs> well, wow. That's, that's, that's a good story. I, I grew up right around there. So Burger Shack was, you know, it's, it was a spot that my brothers and I, my mom would take us there, pick up Burger Shack. Even to this day, I'll go home and my mom will be like, oh, you on Burger Shack? And she'll go and pick up Burger Shack. <laughs> so it's like a spot that I frequent uh, before I was a hockey player. Now when I'm an NHL player, I still go there. So it was just, um, you know, uh, it's a spot that I love. So we, you know, my parents gave them a, a signed jersey and we, and they put it up and they loved it. And I go in there all the time. And they saw it. And now they're, they're moving space for the other side of the wall. There'll be a, a, an oiler jersey up there. <laughs> oh, that's, that's fantastic. Great. Yeah, it's, I, it's pretty cool. I think that's the restaurant I've been to the most number of times oh, in yeah, my life. Too. Yeah, I think so. I, I think uh, I, I can't count. So it's got to be out there. Uh, totally. Um, now, want to go with one more Jewish question. You know, we've mm -hmm. talked about Jewish Toronto, Jewish Edmonton, and you mentioned earlier that some people come up to you and, and they talk about the community. You know, we we sort of talk a lot about on our Jewish sports podcast on the sport of Jewish geography. So when someone talks to you, a Jewish person, how quickly does it come up? Oh, do you know so-and-so or we have so-and-so in common? <sighs> Uh, yeah, a bunch. I think especially, I mean, the community is small from the sports side of things. I don't know. I'm not connected to too many other Jewish athletes. Um, but from the community aspect, because I have four brothers who are younger as well, you know, they know a family that's in their age group. I know a family that's in my age group and you just, you get to know so many different families and, you know, and then my wife's family. So, you know, everybody, you end up running, yeah. especially in Toronto and in Edmonton, it's even smaller. So I'm sure as, as uh, Theo grows up and as we have more kids, we'll get to know a ton of different uh, families. I think we we personally should be praised for for not do not bringing up you know I know so and so who articled with your wife or something like that. Uh, <laughs> right, there you go. You know, hey, you we we succeeded in, in in resisting the the Jewish geography. Uh, yeah, you could go so, on and on, right? Now, 
Now, Zach, uh, you, you mentioned, you know, not necessarily having that many other uh, Jewish athletes that you're connected to. I mean, I guess there hasn't been another Jewish uh, hockey player for the Leafs, I think, recently. Um, I don't know about Michigan when you were there. I, I don't think there's anyone else Jewish in Edmonton. Um, is there is there a sense of at all of, of feeling like... Uh, I guess a bit of an outsider at times or, or separate from other players. I think uh, from what we've heard, hockey doesn't seem to have as much of a necessarily a, a culture of, you know, uh, team prayer before games and things like that as other sports do. But uh, have you come up against that at all in your, in your career? Um, no, I mean, I think growing up, like maybe a little bit, but I think nowadays uh, all that stuff for the most part, at least for me, um, you know, you, you don't experience it as much. Um, I think, uh, it was always great for me, you know, when you're part of the Jewish community, you can almost feel like you're in a bubble sometimes. So, so for sure. me, hockey was a great outlet for me to kind of escape that bubble and, and to meet people from all different backgrounds and, and get to know different um, cultures and, and just meet new people. And, and I thought that that was really uh, helpful and kind of shaping me into the person I am because I have a really strong connection to the, the community and I have, you know, like I mentioned before, all my, my best buddies from high school are still my best buddies. We have a group chat, no different than I'm sure a bunch of other Jewish uh, people out there and we talk all, all the time. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously in hockey, you, you know, you're in the minority and, but it's, it's pretty inclusive environment. And, and I, you know, I think we can continue to do a better job of being inclusive as hockey players. And it's something that, um, you know, I was an ambassador for that with the Leafs and I'll continue to kind of push the envelope on that and making sure that, you know, anybody who wants to play hockey or who wants to be a fan can, can be a fan regardless of this color of your skin or what religion you practice and things like that. So something that a lot of Jewish sports fans, including us, and that's why we have this show, you now have a bit of an obsession with which athletes are Jewish, which brings us to you. And, and I know you talked mm-hmm. about it, but as a professional Jewish athlete, do you also watch basketball and see, you know, Denny of Deja and go, oh, that guy's Jewish <laughs> or, or the Olympics have been going on this week. Does that happen to you even? Oh yeah. Well, I told you about that group chat. So that happens like it gets like, I think there was a baseball player, Orthodox baseball player that got drafted. Yep. Right? So yeah. I saw that. So yeah, you definitely are like, Oh, you know, that's pretty cool. His, his dad is a listener of this show as a matter of fact. Oh, really? Well, shout out there <laughs> then. Um, so I'll be his, his dad actually, his dad coaches the Yeshiva university men's basketball team, which I think is about as Jewish uh, there you go. A connection as you can have. Right. Yeah. There you go. Well, yeah. You're always cheering for, for people like uh, that are part of your community, right. You want to see them excel. And especially uh, in our community where being an athlete is, is definitely in the minority of, of what uh, <laughs> sure. people used to do. Um, so you definitely cheer, cheer those guys on and, and hope that they do well. And, uh, I actually, you know, I went to the Maccabi games in 2013 with my brother. So kind of being able to see, uh, you know, different athletes, all part of the Jewish community and see them compete in different sports. That was cool. Um, but yeah, definitely cheering those guys on. Does the, uh, does the Canadian hockey team at the Maccabi games just sort of dominate? Is it, is it a, is it a bit of a cakewalk? Uh, yeah, we did well. I don't think we lost in that <laughs> tournament. So, but the U S was pretty good. I think Right. We were, we were, we were, we were good. One of those, so, I mean, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, Jamie. I, I don't want to take up any more of your time. We're at 15 minutes. You've been incredibly generous and, and, you know, happy to chat with us, which is great. Um, but I just want to finish with somewhat of a, a lighter question. Is there any particular Jewish restaurant in Toronto that you're really, you're really going to miss? Like, are you a bagel world guy or a Greif's guy, or maybe a Dr. Laffa versus Jerusalem? Like what are those sort of the spots that you, you really are, are going to need replacing? Um, yeah, no, I think I, the bagel world, like things like that, you get it all the time. I mean, um, 
yeah, Jerusalem is a place we 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 go, we go to. I think more so. Um, They're not. None of these are sponsors of our. Yeah, show. no sponsors. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I think more so just the the like going to my parents, my grandma. You know, cooking things like that is is what I'll miss. Like the traditional like cooking. Like you know, my grandma cooks chicken chicken schnitzel or matzo ball soup, and uh, not being home for some of those holidays um, will be things that I miss for sure. And, uh, but you know, I've, we've done it before, obviously when I was in Ann Arbor for four years, things like that. And, and, uh, the nice thing about being in Canada is it's, it's a lot easier to travel, you know, back and forth, especially with who knows what's happening with the COVID restrictions. If they, anyways, what a mess, but, uh, it's easier in Canada and being all all in Canada and we're going to have our family out there and it'll be great. Well, we'll put out the call now for any of our listeners out in Edmonton. Um, any, any bubbies who can make Zach Hyman a a bowl of matzo ball soup. (laughs) Uh, you know, yeah. might, it might be, he might be open to it. Uh, we'll have to, we'll have to arrange it. We'll have to find out, uh, if, if such a thing as a, a bagel, a bagel shop exists in Edmonton, a good bagel shop exists in Edmonton. We'll have, yeah, to, exactly. have to clue you in on that. Um, yeah, if it doesn't, it could be your next, <laughs> it could you know, be the next venture. Backup plan. I'm, I'm sure <laughs> even if it's a smaller community, they'll have some, some serious spots to go to. Yeah. Well, that's great. Thanks so much for joining us, Zach. We really appreciate it. No, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Well, thanks again to Zach uh, for joining us. Uh, again, lots of lots of good luck out in Edmonton in this upcoming season. We will be hosting a live event, which is a pilgrimage to the Mar- uh, Zach Hyman jersey hanging in the Burger Shack um, at some later date to be determined. I can't commit to that now, but I, I promise you that pilgrimage we will be delivering um, with perhaps a photo to show everyone that it does indeed exist when his Oilers jersey goes up next to it. We, we should do that. You know, we have not actually done much like on the ground reporting. But, uh, you know, Confirm going to the, the burger place, of that jersey. Yeah. Going to the burger place down the street to take a picture of a hockey jersey. That that seems like the kind of that seems like the amount of journalism that you and I are qualified to do. Absolutely. Um, I it's very funny. I, I I've been covering Zach Hyman, his move in, in both print and on the show and online um, yes. for a couple of weeks now. Um, thanks to everyone who read that article we wrote, uh, including Mr. Hyman, from what I assume. And uh, that goes all the way to uh, Connor McDavid, who I also assume read it, um, as well as Austin Matthews. But sure, one thing maybe I do. One thing I do want to confirm, you know, it's funny. I got a phone call from my mother a couple of days after that article. She says, Gabe, I hear you're, you had an article in the CJN. Good for you. That's amazing. Yeah. And it just goes to show you how often she listens to this podcast where <laughs> I am in the CJN every single week. So right. if you are listening, mom, thank you. Uh, and I hope you continue to do so. That's very nice. Uh, thank you to all of our parents for listening to the podcast and occasionally <laughs> reading the things we read, uh, we write as well. Um, until no, next time. I don't think she read it. Someone told her it existed. Oh, someone told her it existed. Well, I, I take it your mom's not much of a sports fan, right? Like, you know, it's just not up her, up, up her alley. Yeah, sure, this right? is, I think this, you know, she can hear me yammer on about sports all the time. She doesn't need right. to subscribe to any podcast to do it. Although I'm not sure she subscribes to any podcast, frankly. Right. Although I think the, um, you know, we're just coming out of this Olympics period that's like the ultimate time of like sports watching for non-sports fans um people who like don't particularly like watching sports regularly but you know love watching gymnastics or swimming or running or whatever it is and yep. uh you know those people might have been interested in you know the human interest side of who, you know which athletes are jewish and things like that but uh like the, we we start talking about how how many uh or we start talking about rowdy Chalaz's obp and they just tune out <laughs> 
true. Anyways, uh, um, let's leave it there. Uh, we'll be back in a few weeks. I'm sure with more interesting stories from the world of juice and sports. Uh, until then, you can find you can always find us as always at uh, the CJN.ca. All of our podcasts are up there. Uh, Gabe's article about Zach Hyman is there. Uh, other writing we've done. Um, you watch can find us, us. Watch for us in an upcoming print issue as well. Yeah, and uh, you can find us on Twitter at Menchwarmers. Uh, engage with us there or on Facebook at the CJN Lounge. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. Thank you.